Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is someone that I absolutely love listening to on Heart. She brings me so much joy. She also has her own podcast, Made by Mamas. She is stepmom to Isla, mum to Kit and Luna, wife to Doza, and friend to all. It's Zoe Hardman. Yay! Yay! Oh my God, friend to all. I would say that you are. It's a massive part of what you do. I think yeah. being on air having the podcast that is your role do you know what I mean that is you wake people turn up up. the feel good yeah but you make people feel good and I think it is having someone in your ear that guides you through the day in that way or starts the Mm. day it's very important Zoe and I'm very grateful for it well thank you I also would be very upset if someone said oh she's not my friend (laughs) like well let me make it my purpose in life to make you love me (laughs) no that's what you would have said pre-kids and then Uh, post-kids are like I don't give a shit now yeah Um, Heart has been my family for the last 10 years yeah and when I went into it also I came from telly thinking our radio will just be a little part-time thing and not realising that actually it would give me so much. Really? Complete, like learning a new skill, so much harder than doing telly ever was. Because, you know, you've got so many people babysitting you when you're on that studio <laughs> floor. Someone in your rear, you've got everything scripted. You get into a radio studio and it's one mic, you know, four million people listening. And you're like, <laughs> oh, God. And so many buttons. Oh, my good Lord. So I did drive time on Virgin for a while. Was, yeah, uh, well done. Doing Matt Lee for yeah. Kate Lawler. Loved it. For me, there was only one button. And the faders. But that one button caused me much anxiety. Yeah. I would just have to press it and the song would come on. That was it. But you've got all the buttons and all the knobs. It's a bit like a scene from Anchorman because you're like, don't press the red button. And all you want to do is just press buttons and just really cause some carnage. But yeah, that itself, like learning the mechanics of it, firing in the news, not talking over a ramp. You're just like your brain is fried by the end of it. But I love it so much. It's part of it because you can't think of anything else while you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, you can't swear. So that's a big thing because I've got the pottiest mouth in the world. So you can't swear. Like, for example, if you were to now press a button which fired in something that you knew was going to have an ending after 20 seconds, you know that you have to get your story out and you can see it ticking down 17, 16. Like, get to the point of thinking, I can't do it. (laughs) So there have been a few occasions where I've actually just stopped talking. Really? Well, it's better to stop talking (laughs) rather than carry on talking and crash it. I'd love to listen to those back. <laughs> really? so, do you yeah. have to just draw a line onto those and go, yeah. we shall never speak of you those? just look at your producer and go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you're anyone listening, they'll probably be like, oh, something happened to my radio. They won't think it's you. Exactly. And that's what we're sticking to. Yeah. yeah. I always think it's really funny how each station has a different 
method, a different way of working. Mm. Like mm. listening to classic, I am constantly going, oh, they've dropped off air. Because there's a silence at the end of a song just to let it sit. And silence on the radio. Bad news. Isn't it? It's just <laughs> bad news. And we've got, I don't know if anyone listening knows this, but if we come off air for longer than, I think it's six seconds. Right. So if you count that in your head now, it's quite a long time. Yeah. We get a backup tape that <gasps> kicks in. But it's really funny if it ever happens and people, you know, they don't know it's happening. So you'll yeah. suddenly see a whole office of people jump up and go, the backup takes kicks in and everyone's <laughs> running to the studio going, what's going on? It's like someone's died. But in reality, it's just someone hasn't pressed a button. But it's quite nice though having those moments that are just, yeah. it must just feel so alive in that It way. does. And getting the Amanda Holden cover for breakfast was... Well a, done you. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Long time. Yes. Eight years of grafting there. I remember the phone call actually coming in from our old boss. He might have met Andy. Lovely yes, Scottish yeah, yeah, Andy. Yeah. And he was like, I've got a really good idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, what is it? And he was like, why don't you come and demo with Jamie? And I was like, oh, this is it. You know those light switch moments yeah. where suddenly something clicks into place? We've all had those in our yeah. career. I went and did the demo. And also, FYI, I did quite fancy him growing up. <laughs> Life and kicking. <laughs> Quite cute, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I see it. So yeah. then you're like, oh, I'm cool. Like, I'm a mum. Like, I've, you know, three kids, whatever. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's Jamie Thigston off the telly. But we got Did you really know well. each other anyway from being in the same building? I'd met him a few times right. before, but he keeps himself to himself, our Jamie. Right. There was something quite magic about being in the studio with him. And, you know, it just worked. Yeah. And obviously Amanda is so brilliant. Those two have known each other for decades. Yeah, I love it. And I love getting that real kind of insight into a live breakfast yeah. room, which I've always wanted to do. But it doesn't take up too much of my year. <laughs> That's it's like true. eight weeks a year. Thanks very much. I'll take it. That's lovely. Isn't it? Yeah. Get to do it and then not get to do it. Yeah. Right, Zoe, tell me about Talk your childhood. Where did you grow up? Siblings? You've got a sister. I know that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where did I grow up? I grew up in Kent. I How had further south in Tunbridge Wells in a tiny little hamlet called... Rolvenden. Rolvenden, or as my husband calls it, Rovelden, but it's not, it's Rolvenden. Okay. Um, we had amazing childhood, actually. Often now I'm living my kids' childhood, I think how lucky I am to have had what I've had, and I'm yeah. hoping that I'm replicating the same thing. My parents were madly in love for a really long time, and it was idyllic, like a great school. What parts school. of your childhood you're hoping to replicate? Do you know what? It was making memories. Yeah. So my mum is Peter Pan and has this amazing sort of sparkle about her. So everything was an adventure. We would put our wellies on and we would go down to the bottom of the fields and make a den. We would go on a steam train and we'd be looking out the window and she'd pretend that she'd seen a fairy. And, you know, it was just all a bit imagination yeah. overload. So everything. And her mum, my granny, was exactly the same as well. You know, we had this pond with this boat on it that we used to go out and pretend we were pirates. And it was just, it was always fun with her. She yeah. was always the one. She taught me how to have a kitchen party and she's bonkers and brilliant and amazing. And that's what I'm hoping that I'm doing for them. That, you know, obviously you're going to have the days where you just sit on the sofa and do nothing. Mm. But even that can be special. Like, let's play a board game or let's write a story or whatever it could be. I just want them to know that magic is everywhere. Well, that's what I felt. And it wasn't always obviously like that. And as I've got older, I've realised that it was those pockets that have had the biggest impact on me. Yeah, because there's always going to be stuff going on around that. Yeah, of course you there can't, is. It can never be the case that there's not. No, and that's also an important lesson because yeah. I think everything was fine until I got to my teenage years and then we had a death in the family. So my cousin's first husband, Chris, who was like an older brother to me, was an adventurer. So again, that sense of like magic and travel. And he taught me a lot about going to see the world. And he really tragically, on his final expedition, as in they were about to start a family, drowned. And I was 14. I remember literally door opening in school. I remember the matron standing there being like, oh, whispering to the teacher, like, oh, Zoe, you need to come out. I remember thinking, this seems serious. You know, that yeah. first moment of, yeah. shit, something's happening here. Lots changed at that point. It really up-tipped the family my cousin, obviously, completely. That was my mum's sister's daughter, who I was very, very close to. Yeah, obviously, I was still very young. So I think at that point, you start questioning the magic. Mm -hmm. When something like that can happen, you start thinking, God, what else can happen and yeah. what else can go wrong? So it definitely impacted my life more than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Did you ever look ahead to the future and having a family? It wasn't something that I ever wanted. Really? It was not something that I... No, I was never that girl that wanted to get 
married and have the dress and have the kids. I never spent any time with children. Right. Remember, I was the younger sibling, so I was the one that was like, hey, it's all about me. <laughs> There's no one else younger than me, right? It's just me. I didn't want that. And actually, even when, you know, I had sort of serious boyfriends, I was thinking, oh, fuck, I hope it doesn't go down that road. Really? Yeah. I mean, the first baby I held was my cousin's baby. When I must have been 20 years old to hold a baby, right. I was like, oh, my God, it's tiny and it's just puked on my leather jacket. Like, I wasn't maternal. Really? No. And yet it's the most natural thing to me. So isn't it weird? I find that happens a lot, though. Yeah. People that are just like, nah, suddenly there's that switch and yeah, you're just the most maternal person ever. Yeah. So what was that switch for you? And when you and Dozza first met, did you talk about having kids of your own? Yes. So me and Dozza met at the Playboy Club in London. This is just so romantic from the off. He was working. No, <laughs> I was working. Um, we met across a crowded dance floor right. and it was like, bang. You know, like in the movies. Yeah. But it doesn't really happen in real life. It did to me. But I had my boyfriend standing next to me at the time. No. <laughs> yes. And Dozzle was with Hask. Right. So him and Hask are best mates. Yeah. And I knew Haskell. He came across the dance floor and was like, Hardman, hi. This is my mate Dozzle. And I was like... <gasps> Who's that, babe? But then also like, God, don't look at him because, hi, Adam, my really handsome boyfriend. <laughs> so it was all there was all this weird shit going on. We didn't actually see each other for another year after that. I moved right. in with Adam. This is a short story. I moved out. And then Dozza started to like hit me up in my DMs right. on Twitter. <laughs> like, hey, fancy going for a drink? And then everyone was putting me off him. So really? we have some mutual friends who were going, you don't want to go out with Dozza. He's got a bit of a reputation. Right. You know, like he's the brown envelope guy. He's the, What's the brown envelope? You know, like the HMRC envelopes. No. Yes. The guy that always has the HMRC guys after him. Right. The brown envelope guy. (laughs) I've never heard that expression before. I think I just made it up. (laughs) He's the brown envelope guy. Okay. okay. You know, like, what's in your coat? Well, I've got, you know, toothbrushes and I've got nail clippers. He's Del Boy. Right, okay. Okay? Okay. So I was like, oh. But he's so cute and he wears short shorts and he plays rugby yeah. and he makes me laugh. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so it so went... ignored all of their advice. Yes. And then finally went on a date with him in the sort of February, March time. And then, so literally within, a, uh, I want to say six or seven months, we had started to have the discussion about having kids. Because he came with Isla, mm-hmm. my beautiful stepdaughter. And how was that for you initially? Because I know now, like you've spoken so beautifully now about being a stepmom. Yeah. But initially, as a young woman who didn't even know if she wanted kids of her own. Yeah. How was that? What was that responsibility? So it was probably seven or eight weeks into us dating. Yeah. And it was the first time that I was going to stay over there. And before I came round, Dozza said, look... Something's happened with Isla's mum. I've got Isla for the night, but she'll be in bed. And, you know, if you don't feel comfortable meeting her, I don't know if you're going to stay. You know, that whole awkward conversation. I was like, oh, it's absolutely fine. Like, no problem. Anyway, so we go to bed. I suddenly heard this little cry and Dozza was like, and he was like, oh, I need to go to Isla. And and I was like, oh, my God, this is real. That moment of thinking, shit, there's an actual child next door that needs loving and taking care of. And anyway, he settled her back down and I ended up staying the night. And then in the morning at breakfast, I just remember... The love that she gave me, you know, she was only 18 months old at the time, Mm. just these beautiful blue eyes. We already knew that we were going to be a family, you know, we'd already gone there. But suddenly my role as stepmom became very, very apparent and I was really excited about it. Really? And she was so, she taught me how to be a mum. She was the one that showed me the way. One particular time where um, we'd gone to stay with some family friends. We hadn't said I love you. We were four months in, but I was bursting to say it. And Isla had done a poo. And I was like, don't worry, I've got this. Having never changed, you know, a nappy before ever. So we like toddled upstairs, got the nappy out. I was like proud as punch, like wiped it away. Like, look at me, I've nailed this. Came back down. It was a really hot day. So she was just in a nappy and a T-shirt. And I was like, look, everyone, I've changed a nappy and I've got it right. Look. And also it was like, oh, well done. Like, everyone's like, yeah, well done. Like, it was such a big moment. And then suddenly I I saw him grab her, walk off inside. And I went, what's wrong? And he goes, you've had it on the wrong way round. And I was like, oh, dear. Okay, sorry. And, you know, we were constantly having those things where, I don't know, she just showed me so much love. And I realised that. It was such an important role for me. Mm-hmm. And it always has been. Yeah. And then we talked about starting our own family because of my sister's 
diagnosis of early menopause, yeah. which left her completely infertile. That was all ricketing on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then they said to me, ticking time bomb, going to happen to you. You need to move really fast. So I went to have all my tests done. And Dozer was fully supportive. He was like, you know, we're going to have a baby together. So let's go for it. Tried to freeze my eggs. It didn't work. It was devastating. I mean, I remember standing on the steps of the fertility clinic in London, howling my eyes out after Mm. 15 or 16 days of injections and watching the eggs die away and feeling like a failure. And it was just awful. And phoning Dozer and saying, the harvesting hasn't worked. They all died. You know, what are we going to do? And he just said, well, we're just going to have a really great three months up to Christmas. We'll have a great time, do lots of the sex, see what happens. <laughs> I got pregnant on New Year's Day. Mental. They told me I would never get pregnant naturally. That's just crazy, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it bonkers? I still can't believe it happened within one year of meeting him. Yeah. So anyone listening... But, and that's... before that, yeah. had you kind of, before meeting Dozer, had you already in your mind switched from, I'm not a maternal person, I don't want kids, to I do want kids? Or was there something about the connection that you and Dozer had, Isla being there? Like, was there something in that or had you already naturally got to that point where you thought, actually, there was... was it your sister? No, it was meeting him. It was him. It was our connection. I'd been in long-term relationships before and hadn't felt that feeling that you get when you want to create a baby with another human. That was it. And still it. I still look at him now and think, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't have sent you off to have the vasectomy. (laughs) (laughs) We've got one more in us. No, we haven't because I'm in early menopause now as well. But um, yeah, it's that magic. Can you remember what symptoms you had that made you test when you were pregnant? That's such an interesting question. I mean, I'd been peeing on sticks, obviously. So I was like waiting for ovulation. And I was living in Maidervale. He'd been re-signed to Gloucester. So he was up in Cheltenham. We were doing long distance. I remember waking up one morning and I was like three or four days late for my period. And I was like, oh, look at the size of my boobs. <laughs> I was like, snap, 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 snap. These look great. Oh, actually, they're quite sore. Oh, no. What's... Hold on a minute. It's a very different feeling. Really? They're like almost pillowy, I would say. It's a pillowy. very... Yeah, pillowy, yes. like doughy. They're very different boobs. Like mine are yes. when I'm pregnant. Yes, you can tell, can't you, straight yeah. away? I needed to go to the loo about four or five times as well. And I remember walking out to the chemist and being like, right, I'm going to do this pregnancy test. Did it. And then Dozer wasn't arriving for like eight hours. So I was just walking around Maidenville, just smiling at people going, like I had a sign on my head saying, up the duff. Bing, bing. And I was. And then when he arrived, he was sitting in the bedroom and I was in the kitchen. I was making him a sandwich or something. And I was like, oh, I've got something for you. And he was like, yeah, can you just bring the sandwich in? There's a lot of eating in bed in our relationship. I like it. And when I came in with the sandwich, I put the pregnancy test in front of it and was like, don't eat that. And there it was, pregnant. I mean, it must have been such a shock from going from you won't be able to to absolutely you are pregnant yeah. without any of the other stuff. I think it is all the time a shock, isn't it? Because yeah. you think, how has this happened? I don't mm-hmm. know how it's happened, but how has it happened? Yeah. We were absolutely over the moon, like over the moon. Yeah. And, you know, the pregnancy itself, I really enjoyed it. Really? I felt a bit sick at the beginning. Okay. The rest of it, I really enjoyed I think I loved having a big bump as well because I've always been quite little and suddenly there was this, you know, you look down, you can't see your feet. <laughs> I've seen your fanny for a few months. No. <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it? It is. Also, I wonder if like doing what we do and you doing a lot of telly and stuff, a lot of emphasis for women, sadly, is on what you look like. Oh. And I think when you are pregnant, it's different. You're just like, my body's amazing. Look at mm. it, do its thing. Mm. The weird one was the dressing, though. I did not nail maternity chic. (laughs) Did you? Weirdly, it was the only time in my life where I've worn tight things. Yes, Mm. to show the bump off. Yeah. But then the bodycon look's not really my thing either, so I was struggling with that. Like the high-waisted jeans. I was like, I can't get these up anymore. I can't (laughs) do them up. You know, some women look so chic. Yeah. I look like Invasion of the Body Snatchers at the end. There's one (laughs) photograph that I've never shown anyone of me trying to get out of the car, and it's like, ooh, like the slug from Monsters, Inc. (laughs) Watching, always watching. Do you know the film? I love that, yeah. yeah. I know the film. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. <laughs> you haven't done your paperwork. So, yeah, I, but the bit I really found tough was the days after having had Luna. Right. Well, so let's talk about yeah. heading towards a birth. Yeah. Had you had anything in your mind about what that birth would look like? I mean, we've met, right? <laughs> Control freak Scorpio <laughs> over here. Knew exactly what it was going to look like. 
Did yeah. you read all the books and have a plan? No, I did have a plan, though. I did hypnobirthing. Mm-hmm. Dozer just took it as an opportunity to go to sleep. Nice. He slept well, through every session. Like, that's what it's for. It's just everyone to have a nice little sleep, feel good about yourselves. No? <laughs> I just kept nodding him, being like, will you wake up? It's costing us a fortune. He's like, yeah, I'm just listening to her voice. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> It's an excuse for you to nap. So hypnobirthing really helped me. Yeah. But I really, really wanted to give birth in the water. Mm-hmm. I had seen a really scary video of a woman in the birth pool and then her husband or partner got in <laughs> in speedos and was like swimming around in like all the shit. And I was like, you're not supposed to get in. Are you supposed to get in? Dozer was like, I'm not fucking getting in. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Yeah, I don't understand why they get in. I don't understand Okay, it. fine, great. No. That's why we're friends. Yeah. So I was like, you don't get in, but this is what I want to do. Right. So I wanted to be in a midlife... Wed- <laughs> midlife? <laughs> midlife crisis. <laughs> Midwife-led unit. Yeah. And I wanted to have Luna in the water. Right. Yeah. So that was it. And I was like, it's going to be really easy. I'm just going to push. She's just going to swim out singing The Little Mermaid and everyone's going to have a jolly time. No, didn't happen. So where were you when things started happening? <laughs> I was at home. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, we were in Cheltenham and it was the middle of the night. So I came back from the loo, walked down the corridor. Then suddenly my waters broke. <laughs> Bit too much information, isn't no, it? No, 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 that's it, not. Like a movie. Like a movie. Really? Yeah. I thought, oh, shit, I've pissed myself. Really upset. Because, you know, at the end, you just think, well, anything could happen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came in, I said, oh, Dozer, I've just wet myself. And he went, or your waters have broken. I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) How did your mind not go there? But his did. Because he's more of an adult than me. (laughs) (laughs) Because my body was doing really weird stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I thought, well, that doesn't happen because it only happens in the movie. Yeah. To be honest, I've not heard yeah. many people say about the big whoosh Yeah, that yeah. Happens. Big whoosh happened. Yeah. So, but no contractions. Right. So I just went to bed, okay. just went to sleep, woke up the next morning, no contractions. We rung the midwife and said, waters have broken last night, but there's no contractions. So it was in the middle of the night, so it's probably only like four or five hours afterwards. And she said, okay, well, look, don't worry, just crack on with your day. And it was a Saturday. And Dodger was like, okay, cool, let's... Should we going to Cheltenham, and I was like, yeah, but where's all the stuff, you know, like in the film? Where... Had you packed? Yeah, I okay, think so. that was all done. <laughs> Let's say yes. <laughs> I'd packed. We went to Montpellier and went to a restaurant, no. and we were sitting outside, and Isla was there, and then suddenly, bang, contractions. So I was, like, having these contractions, like, uh, uh, and the waitress was going... Oh, she looks like she's in labour. And I was like, I am. Can I please have my chicken and chips? <laughs> <laughs> so I was getting a bit barky and a bit aggressive. Sorry to that. Do you waitress. think you just wanted like to be fueled before going in? Yes. Right. And I thought, this is it. This is like the final supper. So yeah. I'd go for it. Chicken and chips, my favourite. And then I was just getting up and walking around whilst the contractions were happening, going, where's the food? I remember the food taking ages. <laughs> um, and then we're like, great, the contractions are coming thick and fast. Let's go to hospital. Okay. Oh, let's go to the midwife-led unit. Yeah. Arrived there, examined me, one centimetre dilated. Remember how you felt? Furious. <laughs> Exhausted and furious. The whole day of contractions. And then no, nada. Did they send you away? No, they said, look, you can just stay here if you want. You can get in the pool. It'll probably move quite quickly now. And because my waters had broken, they were worried about infection. Right. So they were like, you just stay, stay put, again. enjoy yourself. I had a nice room, had a little playlist playing. I do remember getting in the water and being like, it's going to happen now. You know, you're so like, it's going to happen now, isn't it? I'll just go from one to ten in like half an hour. And the hours went on. We kept having to rewatch episode of Narcos because every time the contraction came, it was yeah. so intense that I was closing my eyes going, oh! And then I'd miss, like, two section. minutes. And Dozer would go, not rewinding this section again. I was like, you will. You'll do what I say. From the time he's found out where it is, you've got another one. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Um, after also, hours. not really, like, light and funny. No. Just not quite like intense, actually. Love Actually or something yeah. like that. No. Just intense viewing. That was your chosen... Yeah, baby will come if the viewing's intense. OK. I like it. <laughs> hours and hours and hours later, I got out of the water. I thought, I've had enough now because I was really wrinkly. And yeah. Just nothing. They examined me again. Two centimetres dilated. I just wasn't. Then they gave me pethidin. Yeah. God, I was sick. I just was sick, 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 sick. Through the night, so I was there. Nothing happening. Managed to get a few hours sleep, woke up on the Monday morning, contractions still coming thick and fast, but no progression. All day Monday trying to birth. And Dozer was like, for God's sakes, pull the ripcord. We have to go to hospital. 
like, we've got to go. And I was like, I don't want, I don't want. And then the midwife said, we've got to go. Baby's heart rate's dropping. Oh. Blue lighted to Gloucester. <gasps> don't remember any of that in the back. So I was off my face at this point. When we got there, they were really worried because she'd started to move down the birthing canal. Right. And so her head was getting squashed, but I was still not dilated. Right. Epidural must have come just before that. Delirium, obviously. Then I had to have the forceps and I tore from everywhere to everywhere. It was really bad. Do you know what? It went on for so long. It was a 48-hour labour, basically. And it was just too long. I was just so exhausted. I look back at those photographs afterwards and I feel quite sad. I really had birth trauma. It just didn't go. And actually, I should have just, on the Sunday afternoon, gone, I'll go to hospital, have the epidural and we'll get the baby out. But it's easy in hindsight, isn't it? Because I think when you're in it and when you've set yourself a goal or a plan and you think you know what it's going to look like, Mm. it's really hard to change that route or to kind of go, no, actually, now's the time to go. There's so many unknowns within that Mm -hmm. scenario. Did you feel the same? Were all your births different? All my births were really, really different. I did do hypnobirthing, but the speed in which they came, so my second was literally in a pool. I went in and I was six centimetres, went to the toilet and there was just this massive pressure wave type thing that happened. And... I knew that something was happening. Wow. I got in the water, literally gone up to 10 centimetres <gasps> weight on that loo trip. Don't know what happened. It's like something just went ping. And he flew out. Flew out so quickly that he ended up having bloodshot eyes for the first month. That's how quickly the force in which he came out. Wow. Yeah. Whereas third Was that time, amazing? It was absolutely amazing. Really intense. But it wasn't me. My body just did it. Just bizarre, bizarre. Oh, God, that's so incredible. So that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. I was so disappointed that it hadn't happened that way and just broken and then had to look after a baby. Also, any of those things that happened, like being blue-lit to a different hospital, like at a point where you're really vulnerable, Yeah, there's no wonder there would have been some trauma linked to that. Do you know what I mean? It's things like that don't happen without all the newborn, new mother thing. Things like that don't happen and you just get over it. Apparently I was trying to tell jokes, like, and doing different <laughs> accents and stuff at the end. I don't remember any of it. Dozer really? was like, just, she's been up for a few days, don't listen to her. Like, I really was going a bit delirious. Yeah. And then, of course, and everyone says this, because we talk about it on our podcast, is that you then presented with the baby and they go, off you go. You go, no. <laughs> Did you not have to stay in for a while? No, because I gave birth just after midnight on the Monday. Tuesday morning we went. A few hours, six, seven hours. Like not knowing what to do with breastfeeding or this lovely, I think they're called breastfeeding angels, actually. Maybe that's just the name I've given them. (laughs) There was a little knock at the door and she was like, are you okay?" And I was like, I'm not. Dozo had to go back and get Isla. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. She was like, well, let me show you. She came in with her big fake boob thing that she had. Mm. Because I hadn't done any NCT classes or any of those. Is that because you two had Isla? Although it's not newborn, you feel like you've had a child. I think so. That's such a good question. Why did I not do it? I'd heard some things about some other NCT classes mm-hmm. and I just didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like what I'd heard about feeding, about epidurals, you mm-hmm. know, in red with a line going, you can't have one of these or you should, you know, can we talk about bottle feeding? And my friend went and they said, oh, no, no we'll talk to you after the class. Wouldn't wow. have that discussion. And fair enough, that was 10 years ago. But I just thought, oh, no, that's not going to be for me. Mm-hmm. But I wish in a way I had because I genuinely did not have a, the first poo, the Marmite poo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't know about that. Right, that must have been a shock. <laughs> like, why does it look like Marmite? <laughs> what is wrong with my child? <laughs> See, we'd heard about putting a little bit of like olive oil or coconut oil on their butt cheeks early doors because then it just wipes off really easy as well. That is such a good tip. Isn't it? Of all the tips that I don't have any other tips. That's, you should make a mum hack reel on that. <laughs> <laughs> Put a baby on a doll's bum. Yeah, just, just like this. Bottom, and then just yeah. cover it with some chocolate spread. Wow, okay, yeah. 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 So I wish I'd known a little bit more, but you do figure it out, don't you, eventually? But it is that scary thing of you're in a hospital where you think you're being looked after and then suddenly you're out. Mm. And you would have been, I imagine, in a lot of pain. Oh, my God. So much pain. Stitches. Then Dozer went back to rugby. So we were out of hospital on Tuesday morning and he was at training by 9am on Wednesday. No. Yeah, they don't get paternity leave, rugby players. He was just gone. And Isla was with us. And I just fell apart. Like, it was so... If I look back on it, the two weeks after that were some pretty dark moments because I was healing 
That didn't have anyone. My mum was in Kenya. She wasn't arriving until two weeks out, you know, so I had those first kind of initial stages. Lots of women I know listening to this will have gone through this as well, that you feel you can't reach out. Mm -hmm. You know, if your family are not around you, who is there? I remember the midwives were the ones that were like, I was sort of sobbing to. This one particular one, she was like, you don't look well. And I was like, I'm really not. I was brave enough to say that I wasn't feeling great. And Mm. it was at that point they said, she needs a bit of extra support here. And so we had Dodd's mum come and my mum came earlier, you know. But initially, don't know if you felt this, but there's this like, you got to do this on your own. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing here. I'm a mum. I'm a mum. Yeah. I didn't feel that. No, absolutely. And it's that pressure, though, that sets so many people up for a fall. Yeah. Because it's just... How can you give all of yourself to this little being who needs you for everything when you're healing yourself? Like you've, your body has just expelled a human, whichever way it, the mm. babies come out. You might have stitches. Like everything is leaking. This is all so new. You're not sleeping. Like how can you give everything to that little person when there is literally nothing left to give? You're running on empty. Mm. Yeah. And that isn't even touching the surface on your mental state. Yeah. Because that's a whole nother ball game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. During that first couple of weeks, did you keep thinking back to the birth? Yeah. I mean, my body and I, we've had an interesting relationship throughout our lives together. <laughs> Life together. I um, haven't been in synergy in periods, but I've always felt like I could tap back into it. Yeah. And it was at this point... And only one other point in my life where I felt, I don't know, the pain, the stitching, you know, couldn't sit down, the bleeding, you know, my stomach. I just felt in constant pain and I cried a lot every day. These weren't just little like, oh, you'll get a few tears. This was like sobbing, 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 sobbing. And then standing in front of the mirror and having to look at myself, I'll never get my head around that. I find that quite hard to say. What about yourself? You know, I had an eating disorder for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely something that I've dealt with. It's been a battle. Yeah. When you're pregnant and you've got baby inside you, people love it. They're like touching your bump and, oh, you know, you can have a bump and you can eat that bit extra and it's fine, fine, fine. Baby's gone. You still look pregnant, but you're not. So I sort of just felt like this feeding whale and I just really didn't like what I saw. I really didn't like it. I really, really went through it afterwards. I had to do a lot of work on myself post giving birth in time it wasn't straight away because obviously I was just concentrating on Luna but when I was ready to do it I had to do a lot of work on that I mean there are so many things there within that first month or so <sighs> of that can easily be so triggering mm-hmm. like, yeah. there's so much trauma there did you feel at any point you could stand up to someone and go do you know what I actually I'm not coping or did you try and keep it all in I think I said probably to that midwife that day things are pretty bad here But then what can they do? Like give you a hug and say, just hang on in there till your mum gets there or they check your stitches and then they sort of just leave you. There wasn't anybody. Looking back on it, I would love to get a birth debrief on what happened. Right. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. And you can do it years after as well. Right, Okay. Because they'll go through your notes, essentially. There should still be notes. They'll go through them and tell you exactly what happened, when, why that might have happened. Yeah. Did you do that? No, no, I haven't done it. But we've had people on that have had it. Right. Ashley James has done it. Has she, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because she had a lot of birth trauma. Yeah. Again, if, if you experienced any of this, but that you're then supposed to have people around for cups of tea yeah. and look at the baby and be all, oh, look, and hand it over. And isn't this just the best time of your life? And you're like, well, it is. But can we just get real for a second? Because I'm having to try and do a poo on one of those rubber ring things on the loo and I still haven't had any luck. Yeah. You know, like, can we just... Oh, when you've got stitches down there as well. Like, my whole thing was always to have tissues to hand to hold the other areas that I didn't want to move so that the stitches oh, didn't pull. God. It's brutal, isn't yeah. it? It is brutal. And every time I can't... I've never been able to not look. You know yeah. what I mean? I've always yeah. wanted to... Have a look down there. Yeah. Yeah, and then you sort of have a feel as well, and you think... Is that an elephant's trunk or is that my vagina? <laughs> Don't you? Like, it's all swollen and weird. Yeah. You're like, is it ever going to go back to normal? I remember daily checking, going, today, no. Today, no. <laughs> today, no. Yeah. But also, it's that thing of, we're almost checking what we're left with. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. I can remember after my first birth as well, that I used to wee 
And after every wee, a little bit of trickle would always go down one leg. Always. Yeah. Every yeah, wee. Yeah, 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 yeah. The second birth sorted it out. But for a long time, I thought that that was going to be me for the rest of my life. Yeah, all the weirdest thing is, is if you don't feel the trickle until the trickle's halfway down your leg. Yeah. You know? Because mm-hmm. that's all the numbness. That's yeah. all. That's the tearing and then a second time around episiotomy, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like, there is not much feeling down there. Mm-hmm. So that's also interesting to kind of get your head around. And then you've got your pelvic floor and all that kind of, oh, the pelvic floor stuff. I mean, I remember going to the doctors and being like, look, I can't jump, sneeze, cough, get on a trampoline. What can you do? Oh, just carry on doing your pelvic floor. You'll be all right. And then off you go. You know, (laughs) you have to bang the drum really, really loudly to get any of that extra care. And I urge anybody listening that is struggling with it, go and get yourself a mummy MOT. Did you get her, her, her pelvic health physio? Yes, yeah, she was amazing. She came round and did all her things with her magic fingers. And you're mm-hmm. like, you, you know, because I couldn't feel anything. There was no brain to pelvic floor connection yeah. at all because of it being severed Mm -hmm. and that was very beneficial for me and once you get it into your head that that's a muscle that needs exercising you just do it you can just do it all the time I I wonder how many people listening going oh yeah pelvic pelvic floor pelvic floor when she came round she went right show me what you've got like what have you been doing I was like Nailing it. I don't know why it's working. I stood up, did it. She goes, you're squeezing your bum hole. Well, she said sphincter or something else, whatever the proper word is. And I was like, all this time, I thought I was squeezing my pelvic floor. But in reality, I've just been going like this. Brown eye, brown eye. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know. Yeah. I mean, it's a guessing game, though. Because unless you've got someone there to guide you through that, you're going to think that you're doing it right. Yeah. When did you start feeling better emotionally? And was that when your mum arrived? Mm. Yeah, I think it was three weeks in. But actually, that was a very short-lived moment of comfort. Right. Because she then left and went back to Kenya and I suddenly felt the void Mm. of being a new mum in Cheltenham with a partner that was up and out. And I was lucky. He was back at sort of two or three every day. So I remember counting down the, the minutes on the clock thinking, oh, he's coming back soon, he's coming back soon. But I think there was a feeling of not really knowing if I was doing a good job. Like, he would tell me all the time, but deep down. And actually, a lot of stuff came up about my relationship with my mum when Mm -hmm. I had my daughter that just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, this... I had real issues leaving Luna. Like, I didn't think that that would be a thing that I would suffer from but I I guess it's that attachment disorder thing right yeah there was a lot of that going on I mean even to the point where it was my birthday and Dozer was like let's just go for an hour and or a couple of hours and have lunch and then half an hour and I was like I want to go back now even though I knew she was being loved and looked after and I think that was to do with my feelings around my mum and her not living here for a long time and feeling like I've had to do it by myself I never wanted Luna to feel that yeah so and I think a lot of mums will say this that it's a very interesting time of a lot an explosion of emotions come and hit you from mm-hmm. all sides all angles that you're trying to work through and so often we don't know what that actually stems from no <clears throat> like you wouldn't have at that moment gone i know why i feel like this yeah. because of my relationship like it's only probably mm. years after you're processing kind of going that's totally why mm. and, I, and then the breastfeeding i didn't do for very long because I couldn't do it. You did it for a, you three did 14 months? weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's you a long that. time. You knew yeah, that. I redo my research. 14 weeks. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's another area for women to just beat ourselves up over. Whether you wanted to try or not. I did it did for 14 did. weeks. But yeah. giving her that bottle for the first time, I thought I was poisoning her. I was crying as I was giving it to her. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Why do we make ourselves feel like that? Because of all the messaging that's around us constantly. You know, it's all... The breast is best, fed is best, whatever that is. It's like we are always pitted to argue different things. There are certain things that you all have on the podcast that you know if you talk about it, it's going to be divisive. Breastfeeding is one of them. Sleep is another. Mm. As soon as that is up there, people start getting defensive. And I actually think so much of that is because we all go through so much to land on the journey that we land on, right? We're all trying our best. For some reason, people seem to think that their way is then best because they've done the hard work and that is where they are. And then they want to almost fight for that, you know, whatever they've landed on. Such a good point, G. Hmm. I don't understand why they're so much pitting against each other and, you know, you're not doing this right and how can you do that and where's your baby? And I remember doing a DJ gig because we needed the money and also I wanted to go and it was for three or four hours. I have messages like I think Luna was about four weeks old and it was like, Where's the baby? Where have you left her? I've left her in a garbage bin. I've left her with her father. 
and also, who are you to tell me it's too soon for me to go back and do a bit of work? Yeah. It was brave for me to go because I had all these issues about leaving her. I didn't want to go. But also, we needed the cash. It was mm-hmm. like, it was a choice that I made. So, I, like, I just saw something, you know, Ali Ash and... Um, Jeanette, yeah. Jeanette, did you see what yeah, she's absolutely. been through? absolutely. So she went back work. to work four weeks after... Yeah. Four, six weeks after Yeah, six back, weeks, yeah. Because she is the one that's going back to work. Yeah. And the abuse. The abuse, the abuse that, she that she's had. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Men don't get it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like Dozza, when he was back to work the next, next day, day, no one would have said anything to him. But I'm sure that the... Is it a training ground? I don't know what it is. Is it a training ground? I'd like, say it is. <laughs> at, <laughs> at, at the, the training, training ground, next day. They would have all been like patting his back going, yeah, Dozza, well done. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, none of this like, oh, shouldn't you be at home? I know. God forbid we went back to work a bit too soon. But in America, they don't get mat leave. So I remember speaking to someone... Well, I guess it depends where you work. But I can remember speaking to someone a few years ago, who said she only got three weeks. That was it. My God. So she had to go back financially after that. We don't get any. No. Not, not, not doing if you're freelance. What, not if no. you're freelance. You don't get paid for the shows that you don't do. No. So you don't. Like, that stops and you get your statutory pay from the government and then that's it. And, we, you know, we're lucky. It's not the same situation as other people. But at the same time, when you go from two incomes to one income, so you have to go back earlier mm-hmm. than you think. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think there's an element of what we doing what we do you don't want to be out of it for too long. No. Because if you are... Someone else will come along. Exactly. <laughs> it's always the way, right? Don't even get me on that subject. <laughs> really? Well, I just feel like there's so much pressure. I've got friends that didn't announce their pregnancies until they're like three weeks away from giving birth because they didn't want to be seen as being, you know, out of favour and who wants a pregnant presenter or a pregnant DJ or pre- whatever it is. It's like, this is just outrageous. Yeah. Firstly... We have to have these conversations about it to change the status quo. Mm-hmm. Secondly, companies need to sort themselves out because, like, that messaging cannot be just accepted now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We cannot be frightened of losing our jobs because we're pregnant. No. And this is why we have set up Made by Mama's Careers. What is this? Me and Georgia have set up our recruitment agency. Our whole ethos is getting mums back into work in a flexible space. That's amazing. It's going great, guns. So do people come to you then and go, look, I've got this flexible role... So we reach out to brands, companies yeah. and say to them, have you got any job roles? This is us. But there has to be an element of flexibility to it, whether it's, you know, two or three days in at home, one day in the office or whatever that looks like, but flexible. Yeah. Because really we want to be able to do the pickups and we want to be able to do the doctor's appointments and we should be able to do that. Yeah. And still do a good job in our work. And then we put the job roles on our website or on our Instagram and then we get all these amazing CVs from all these super talented mums. That's incredible. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't know about this. Well, it's literally just launched. So first time I'm talking about it on a podcast. That's amazing. Yay. It's so good. I'm really, really over the moon about it. Yeah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Going for baby number two. Going for Kit. Yeah. How was that? I guess you knew about early menopause was still Mm. sort of that lingering thought in your mind. No. No, okay. As in, we didn't know what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) We got married in Ibiza. Right. We had this absolute stonker of a party. Yeah. That was on the Saturday. The Sunday we had a beach day. Monday we went to my favourite place in the world. Yeah. DC10. What's DC10? Oh my God, Giovanna. What is it? It's the best club in the world. DC10. I'm not really a clubber. 
I call it church because it's okay. literally like I come to pray. It brings back a lot of memories because I've done two seasons in Ibiza. And yeah. when I was there, it was like illegal rave by the airport. And now it's like, I mean, for me, the best place to go and have a dance. Some of my favourite DJs play there. See, I love having a dance. Yeah. I absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah, this is I quite hard. I feel like I haven't, I feel like I missed a huge part of life dating someone in a band <laughs> you know what I mean? from a young age because we just couldn't go to those sorts of places whereas before that you know we had to go to Iron Apple I went to Iron Apple once and went to a phone party and nearly drowned because there was because so you slipped phone. under the phone and no one could see quick <laughs> you've still got time how old are you I am it doesn't actually matter because you can go whenever yeah you'll take me a hundred percent I will take you Next year, next year. Next year, I'm coming. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. In the garden at DC10. DC10, Amazing. perfect. So we went to DC10, yes. we got home and we made kit. <laughs> <laughs> High on life, baby. Um, yeah, we, and then I got back from the wedding and I was like, oh, I still feel shit. <laughs> Two weeks of a come down. Yeah. And my sister was like, mm, or oh, you should go and do a pregnancy test. And that was it. Pregnant. Baby how, how did you feel? Like the difference oh, of elated. like... Yeah. Elated. Absolutely the best, the best, best, best. Especially time. off the high of getting married as well. I know. And Luna was only nine months old at the time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Did a little part of you go, what, what, what have we done? Yeah. What have we done? Wasn't going to sign another contract. And I was like, you got to. So right. he then signed to Wasps and we moved to London. And then we had to quickly move out of London. So we were only there for like two and a half months. So I'd bought a newborn there, set up in our home there. We had to go be near Isla. So we had to literally just pack up and go, yeah. um, which I would do it a hundred times over. We moved to Guildford and we had our little boy. And I remember, go- <laughs> I remember going for the scan. It's a 20-week scan where you find out the sex. Yeah. And does it obviously two girls. He wouldn't have cared if he'd had a third, but I knew deep down that he wanted a boy. And he looked at the screen, he grabbed the screen, he went... I can see a penis. I can see a penis. And the woman was like, that is correct. That is a penis. <laughs> He's like, yes. But lo- lovely for us to have a little boy at the end of it. Yeah. Do you feel like in that moment, both of you kind of went, okay, I think we're done after this? Or would you know you were done even if it had been a girl? I would have wanted one more. Really? I would have gone again. Yeah. I wanted to go again. Yeah. If I'm on it. I haven't actually oh, ever really? said that. Yeah. I wanted to have three children. I do have three children. Yeah, you do. But I didn't birth three. Yeah. And I wanted, I think, had we not had Eileen, I would have tried again. But actually, four children. <laughs> <laughs> but what what is it about the three in your mind? Had that been something that you just thought from the beginning? Like, why three? I don't know. I think... I just love having the kids around so much. Mm. And sometimes, you know, we have three and then we lose Eileen and she goes away for a week and that's really hard for us. So I don't know, maybe I was just trying to fill, you know, another little void. I don't know. It's a really good question. Dozer was like, I cannot have four children. And I was like, no, you're right. Financially, you know, car space, holidays. (laughs) All of that. (laughs) Yeah, can't do it. So we knew. And then I sent him off to get a vasectomy anyway. So I've got his tiny balls in my handbag. (laughs) How was that chat? Was that coming from you? Did you kind of go, I think it's time? No, we both said it together. I didn't want to go back on to any contraception afterwards. So I said, look, I don't want to keep taking anything. And and then I started having my menopause symptoms. And I was just like, look, I think it's easier if you just go and have your... I mean, old Mr. You can't get pregnant. And he's done it like that. He loves that. Does he? Yeah. It's really annoying. Also, with so much of you like going on hormonally in your body, it's kind of like to stop taking something else in addition to, you know, yeah. everything else. Yeah. They sent him away, actually. So he went off to get his vasectomy and they yeah. were like, Mr. Jones. And he was like, hi. And the doctor was like, but you're 35. And he was like, yeah, yeah. I want a vasectomy. And he was like, I'm not doing it on you, fortunately. He goes, look around in the waiting room. These are all 55-year-old men. And I was like... <laughs> What? Why are all 55-year-old men anyway? And they're like, what? Yeah. Sure, you know. <laughs> sure, it's 53-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so he got in the car to drive off and he kept, came back in and was like, I want to get, like, really pushed him out of it and then yeah. got him to go back in. Or, sorry, he got him to take him back in and then he had it. We've heard a lot about that story, haven't we? We have. Yeah. We have. Yeah, it's supposed to be something you can have like that in your lunch break, but Dozza didn't go to plan. I think he got a bit of a hematoma. There was a lot of swelling anyway. Really? Well, Luna kicked him in the balls the next minute. It's just that one ball sack's the size of my head. I was Googling in the bathroom going, how many vasectomies end in divorce? Really? Joking, I thought my fucking marriage was over. 
Because he was like, look what's happened. Look at the size of it. Bear in mind, after he his children, at no point were you showing him your flaps going, look what's what happened. <laughs> look at the size of it. <laughs> so true. You should have done that. <laughs> the size of it. Oh, Let's God, compare it's worth control. going again just to do that. <laughs> anyway, it went down. The balls went down. That's good to know. Good all to fine now. We can all just look at Dozer and go, his balls are de- normal size. Normal size again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's good. I'm glad we can give that to everyone. <laughs> if you meet my husband as well, just know that in the back of your mind that his balls are fine now. Okay. Yeah. It'll be the first thing I think of. <laughs> <laughs> At DC 10 next summer. Yeah, there we go. Exactly that. So going ahead in the pregnancy with Kit, how did that compare? And then also heading towards a birth after a traumatic birth, what was that like? I just knew that things were going to be very different this time. Right. There was a plan. Oh. And the plan was straight to hospital, epidural, get the baby out. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to muck around. Yeah. I started going into labour at home in our flat in Cheltenham we were just renting somewhere before we moved into our place and I sent Dozer out to the supermarket I started my contractions in the afternoon I was like it's fine I'm not getting them very often so can you go to the supermarket because we need to get some goat's milk for Luna because she's tolerant to dairy anyway he gets to the supermarket and he's ages and like the contractions are like ramping up I've got a baby at home I'm thinking (laughs) so funny I can feel it I can feel that feeling (laughs) of that agitation of kind of like it's happening (laughs) it's happening it's happening and I was like where are you you've been like an hour I see the contractions coming thick and fast people keep telling me second baby's gonna come really quickly and he was like oh Jesus Christ Jesus Christ I had to go to three supermarkets no goat's milk I was like well get back because I'm giving birth anyway I had to lie down on the bed and his legs up to keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> and then Isla's stepdad at the time came in. I could hear him at the door and he was chatting to Dodds. And you know when you're having a contraction, you don't want anyone else yeah. to see you. You don't want anyone else to be around. I could hear them chatting and he was going, oh, how's Zoe getting on? And Dodds was like, oh, she's actually in the bedroom. We're going to go to hospital as soon as Isla's gone. She's having contractions. And he was like, OK, cool. I'll just pop in and say hi. <laughs> the next minute, the door opened. <laughs> and I was like, uh, And he was like, all right, Zoe, how are you getting on? I was like... Get out! <laughs> I don't even want to see, like, try, trying to be nice and polite, and then like <laughs> sling your hook, mate. Anyway, then we went straight to hospital after that. Very, very quick yeah. epidural. Like, just popped the car. I'd had the epidural. I was away. Brilliant. And then a few hours later, baby Kit was born. Oh. I mean, very funny birthing moment where Dozer has not a great consistency. Is that the right word? <laughs> What do you mean? He farts a lot. What, how do you say it? <laughs> I don't know what that's called. Con- 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 no, no. Uh, con- um, Continent is when No, that's when you... No. Well, you know, okay, flatulence. Flatulence problem. He's got okay. a flatulence, flatulence problem. Okay. So we're in the delivering suite, that's what it's called, and I'm obviously at the point of pushing, pushing, right, come on, pushing, and suddenly I smell, I smell, I was like, oh, fucking hell, does I looked at him, oh, no. there was loads of people in front of me as well, and I was like, how can you fart? during our birth that is so disrespectful stop it and he went yeah sorry about that it just came out and I couldn't help myself and I was like well please go to the loo because I'm giving birth here and I looked at the people below me and went like that anyway Kit came out and the next day I said god do you remember during um, the birth when you just like let one rip and the whole room just stank of it and he goes you shat yourself No, holy mother of God. But surely you would have first time round as well. Surely. I was so out of it by then. I I don't know what was going on. Every woman does. I think what's just the funniest thing is that you blamed him in that moment. And he took it. Yes, exactly. And the eye roll to everyone. But I think here's something that so many of us fear (laughs) going into birth. But how on earth can you push a baby out without doing a poo? Oh, my God. And in hindsight, I remember one of the midwives had glasses on. And so I could just see the reflection of everything. And at one point I was going, you have to take your glasses off. She goes, I can't do it without sitting. I need to see. And I was like, well, I don't. So I was just looking away like that. So thank you, Dozer. But now I tell the story all the time. What a champ. What a champ. Yeah. Yeah, I felt great. I actually bounced, using the word bounce back, but like I did feel like myself a lot quicker. Yeah. And I healed a lot faster because they gave me an episiotomy this time. Yeah, how did that compare? Why did they not cut me the first time? Never thought I'd say that, but... Yeah, but I had it the opposite way around. So I had an episiotomy first time around 
and I really struggled. I got um, one of my stitches came loose. I got an infection. Second time around, I tore. Right. The tear was easier to recover from than the episiotomy. So oh, I guess really? it just doesn't. What happens happens. Now you're saying it. Maybe it was the other way round. Because if tears are easier to heal, I actually can't remember. Well, that was me. Anyway, yeah. that was my experience. Doesn't mean that it was yeah. yours. I mean, whatever happened in that moment, it was better. Better yeah. experience, yeah, yeah, quicker, yeah. faster, just more enjoyable, came around quicker. You know, just feeling like I can handle this. And actually, I always say to people on our podcast, I'm like, you know, you never get over that zero to one. Yeah. One to two, you can handle. You know, it's like, you know what you're You've walking done it. You've done it. Also, I, having the first time round to compare to, did that make you realise how bad the first time round had been? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It really was sad, and I wish it had been different, but it wasn't. And Dozzle was saying throughout the whole thing, it's time, you know, we've got to change course here, and I just wouldn't. Yeah. So I give that piece of advice out without going into the details of it, that if your plan isn't working, you've got to be able to be malleable in those moments yeah. and think, well, that's not a failure, it's just readjusting it. Because mm-hmm. I think it was like, oh, God, if, you know, going off that just wasn't an option because that's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah I just wasn't listening to my body. Yeah. Do you think you've had to come to terms with that? Yeah, big time. Yeah, that was a really scary, scary, scary three days. It was something that I was so looking forward to doing. And I also thought I'd go into it and just be like, you know, I can do this because I can lift dumbbells in the gym. And I can just push it out. Well, uh, you're athletic. You athletic. Do yeah. yeah. Too tight a fanny. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> there it was. Well, Maybe it's true. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are over. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do look back on it and think, thank goodness there's something so incredible at the end of it. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think the recovery would have taken a lot longer. I wonder if having Kit and looking at everything that came after Luna also in some way validated what you felt, but did it give you some healing in mm. that, looking back? Mm. Yeah, I feel completely healed from it now definitely and even though I still get pain you know from you? I still get pain yeah I, th- I think the trauma I don't know if I've healed completely internally from it you know my pelvic floor is still pretty bad mm. you know I still have problems with bowels there are still issues there yeah. that I still and pain during sex sometimes you know all of that is still very much from the births yeah. I'm convinced of it mm-hmm. um so you know, as much as I can mentally heal from it, physically, maybe those scars will always be there, I think. Just do what you can. Anyone listening, do what you can. Don't give up. Yeah. I'm going to go get myself some new boobs next year as well. Are you? Oh, yeah. After Kit, who, like, sucked the life out of me for months and months on end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm really excited about it as are well. Are you? Yeah. How, how big are you going to go? No. You're going to just feel like you before? Going back to what I had in the heyday. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Well, I can't wait for you to motivate them next year in Ibiza. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's getting better already. Those photos would be great, (laughs) won't they, for everyone? (laughs) And how is life now? Like, the kids are a little bit older. You've done the newborn stuff. You know Mm. you're in a new phase Mm. of parenting. Do you feel like you're in a new phase? I really, really love it. This is the best I've felt about, I think, firstly, me. Yeah. But more importantly... The children are so happy. My kids are so happy. They are the most beautiful. I know everyone says this, but their spark and energy and adventure aside is just such a joy to be around. Mm. But fundamentally, I cope with things so much better now because I am feeling whole again. Yeah. You know, I found so much of the early days so difficult. I genuinely did not enjoy that much of it. Mm -hmm. And that is also quite a big statement because I love my children. But, you know, I remember just thinking... I'm just going to do something here. Yeah, I'm going to hit my head against something just so I can have a couple of days in hospital just to give me some sort of respite from mm-hmm. the monotony and the relentlessness of parenting in the early stages. Now, I find that maybe because I've got my hormones under control or maybe because I just feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit better, yeah. but, like, it's a joy. Yeah. Whereas before it was a slog. Yeah. You know, and there is that shift in mindset as well. And yeah. I do think a lot of it is like leaning into the chaos. That's yeah. the thing that I've been really thinking about lately. And I had a little moment a little while ago where I suddenly went, I'm happy. Yeah. And I feel like it made me realise, I kind of makes me feel emotional. I've been living in a fog, oh, like functioning and trudging yeah. on so much, but and always being there, having to do all the different things and being the different parts of you. Mm. But being able to kind of go, I'm happy with this. Yeah. How did that make you feel, though? Just lifted. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? Like, go away with everyone else's expectations of what you should be doing and what they should look like. Just look at what you have. And actually, you wrote something on your... You said something like, I'm 40, and you wrote it as a post about your family, and at the end of it, you said, actually, life is not about going back to what it was. It's about discovering what is new, this mm. new bit. And I just absolutely loved that. Mm. Loved it so much. Thank you. And that was probably more about feeling that I'm supposed to be where I am now really? whereas I've stopped I think I grieved at the beginning that the old me was gone really mm -hmm. that's also a big thing to say yeah and now I know that there's nowhere else I would ever want to be and if I achieve nothing else you know I know that every single day with them as cheesy as it sounds is like an achievement because mm -hmm. we're all just out there doing it together yeah uh, my marriage is in the best state it's ever been whereas it was in the doldrums this time last year. Do you think a lot of that is parenting and is yeah. that kind of resentment, that kind of almost that tit for tat? It's, there's just so much energy that you can't control. I was listening to this chat the other day. It was a talk about neurodiversity, actually, and the guy leading it said, you set the vibe. It That's really stopped me. Kind of like, that is interesting because how often at home do we carry that thing that underneath yeah like resentment angst. yeah resentment you've yeah. been out i haven't i've just been looking after the kids all day mm -hmm. what have you been up to you know i'm doing everything by myself you're not helping me out with the load mm -hmm. you know all the jobs falling on me but i'm not going to say anything yeah. i'm just going to be really narky really <laughs> naggy and really bitchy to you and yeah. then we're not going to talk mm -hmm. and then that is day on day on day on day on day yeah. suddenly there's a massive issue yeah and that's where we got to and i think we'd been there for a long 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 time actually don't forget he retired from rugby as well. So it was like lack uh, of identity. Yeah. Who am I? You know, what's my purpose? Mm -hmm. And that was really difficult. But we've been in therapy for a year and it's the best. Really? Oh, my God. Our therapist has saved our marriage. Was that a leap, though? Because I think for so many people, like we talk about going to therapy, mm -hmm. but that's the leap than actually doing it. Mm. But we got to a point where it was not going to... There was no we were option. not going to be able to cross the finishing line. Yeah. So it was like, it's this or this is the other side of the coin and we didn't want that other side of the yeah. coin. I didn't want to be without him, without our unit, but we had to iron out some pretty big shirts that need ironing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. They had to be ironed and, and it's been brilliant. And then the communication between us now is incredible. You know, anybody listening that is going through a relationship funk, find yourself the best therapist if you can, go speak to your doctor, get into that or just do it privately, whatever it is, and go and talk to somebody. Because mm. that hour every single week that we have with Michael best thing we do for ourselves really mm -hmm. yeah even just little things like i used to march up to him and be like blah, 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 and he'd be like Ugh. and then now i go there's something i need to talk to you about is this a good moment and really? he'll go either yes and we'll talk or he'll go not right now because i'm doing something so i'm only allowed to go back once and he can't say no again so i say if now's not a good time when is it and he'll go in 15 minutes when I finish doing this. I'll come back in 15 minutes and we'll talk. He's not allowed to then put me away again. Right. So even just like little things like that. It's the awareness, right? Yeah. It's the awareness of how each thing, yep. how you bounce off of each other and what those blocks are and being heard. Being heard. And the check-ins on the Sunday evening when we've got the kids into bed, we get into bed and we check in with yeah. each other and we tell each other why we appreciate one another what we've done in the week the other person's done for us during the week and like we set our intentions for the next week just little things I never would have done that yeah it's essential for me for me and him it's essential I love that so fingers crossed we're hanging on <laughs> in there guys <laughs> I love that a lot yeah Zoe if you could write a letter on motherhood who yes. would it be to and what would you say if I was to write a letter on motherhood I think it would be to my mum and I would say to her, because it's been so tricky between us since my dad died, firstly, I would say I'm sorry because she just needed to do what she had to do to get through that grief. And that was finding somebody else and falling in love again. And I was so awful to her for so many years. So I want to say sorry to her and to say I understand what you were doing on reflection now and... I forgive you and I'm sorry that I beat you up for so long. Mm. And I realised that she was just the best mum in the entire world and I'm now able to say that to her as well. She's had breast cancer the last year and I thought she might die. And I think when you think that's another parent that I'm going to lose and that's the last one, <laughs> I just wanted to put all of that anger and angst away. So I probably do need to write that to her as well yeah. to tell her that. Yeah. 
So we end the podcast yeah. with you completing three sentences. Oh, God. I didn't do the letter very well because I realise now that it was a letter on motherhood and I don't know if I did that. But anyway, let's try this one. No, I loved it. OK. Um, so being a mum means? Everything in my life has meaning and purpose because it is the best thing that I have ever done. And it means that I have this abundance of love running through my body. It means pure, unadulterated happiness. Like... It's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Since having children, I... Oh, God, I should have done my research on this, didn't I? Was I supposed to prep something? No. <laughs> Since having children, I am fucking tired all the time. <laughs> this is a running thing, this series. It's so funny. Everyone's been like, tired, knackered. So tired. <laughs> so, so tired. And I'm happy when? Two. Okay. I'm happy when me, the kids and Dozza are going on these beautiful big walks in nature and we love like going up to Pewley's Hill in Guildford and we love like seeing the bluebells and we're proper outdoorsy kind of we're that we're that family I like that yeah the second one is on the dance floor in Ibiza <laughs> like that is not just happiness that is total fulfillment I feel totally free away from being a parent away from being you know misresponsible away from the 6am alarms and I love it so much I can't tell you I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. What a, what a great show. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Is that the end? Well, we've chatted for hours. I know. I don't know what time it is. <laughs> we've had a lovely time. Thanks we've so both much. cried. It's been great. Thank you. That was so great. Thank you so much. Love you. I just want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a cuddle and a cry. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com.